and worship team. Well, good morning, everyone. You've got to let me take care of this or we're going to have a situation up here. Well, I trust you've had a good morning. It feels more like February outside than it does May, but we're glad you're here today as Pastor Nick uh, welcomed you. We certainly want to say welcome and uh, special thanks again to our veterans today who are uh, always so diligent to present this uh, Memorial Day service for us. They were here yesterday for many hours getting things prepared. Obviously, you saw the display in the lobby and um, uh, the uh, practice that they go through to get this done. There's something in the heart of someone with military experience want to do it right, and uh, so they are very committed to that. So I want to say a very, very special thank you on behalf of our church to them. We're very thankful for our veterans in the many ways in which they serve our church. I, I know we've, rec- we've seen several up here, but I know that's not all of our veterans. So I'd like to ask all of our veterans, if you would, to stand, please. Those, in, yeah, those in, uh, who are serving today, I think that deserves a round of applause for sure. Now, let me get the rest of you to stand. We'll stand and join them. Today, our intent is to focus on God's Word always our desire as we come together. And today I want to get to the pictures of something I'm very, last Memorial Day we introduced to you. And so today is my goal to reintroduce that to you, but I want to pray first. Father, thank you for our time today. We come grateful for the land we live in, for the country that we call home, for the time in which we are alive. And we indeed have many blessings to be thankful for from your hand. We thank, we thank you for those who have and are serving in our military. They are preserving freedoms. They are protecting the innocent. And today I pray that you will bless those families, bless those individuals as they stand, give them courage and strength, give leadership in our military the capacity to do their jobs and direct and anticipate and perform for the duties they've been called to. We thank you for these men of our church and women of our church who have worn that uniform to serve our nation. And indeed, we are a blessed nation as long as we keep our eyes and our focus upon you. As a nation, we seek to correct the challenges we have, but it can all be done through your strength and your wisdom. And I pray that you will bless our moments here today as we gather around your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Last year, we concluded Memorial Day, or part of the Memorial Day service, introducing you to a project that we got going with the the veterans of our church. We're very key in this. If you recognize this picture, this is the southeast corner of the parking lot. So if you walk out the door, look to your right, it's the far corner. It's pretty easy to see because there's not much there to see. Um, Just a little bit of a sloping hill that's built into that. Well, last uh, year... The veterans of our church began discussing the possibility of transforming this corner. And so I'll give you a um, a computer rendering of what we think it will look like to transition it to this. Uh, And what it will be is a veterans memorial here at our church to recognize and honor those who have served in in our nation's military service. Uh, That was our computer rendering. Give you a little different view of it from up top. Uh, of how, what we think it will look like. It will definitely transform that corner, and it will make it something we think very attractive and very functional and very exciting. Um, through the process as last year progressed, and uh, still recovering some from 
all the limitations that COVID put upon things. We were able to get an engineering firm involved that we'd worked with before. And so they finally submitted to us a site plan for that. And so right now that site plan is in the hands of Guilford County. Um, and I spoke with them again this week. They are working through the process with us to start to get all the details done, permits granted and everything that goes with it. So um, uh, that's a process of itself just because it's a government, right? It's going to be a slow process we anticipate, but hopefully not. So uh, we'll look forward to that and having more to announce to you about the details of that, but just want to let you know that project has not been laid aside. We are still moving forward with it, and uh, right now it's in the step of getting all the permits and approvals done, and uh, we hope to soon start announcing that we're ready to give you more details and how you can be engaged and involved with it. And uh, we look forward to uh, the opportunity to see this thing constructed. Maybe by, by um, the next Memorial Day, we'll have that in place, and we can enjoy that for sure. So just a quick update on that I thought uh, you would enjoy because it was something that many people have asked about, kind of where the process is, so just to let you know uh, moving forward, and we're thankful for that. Today I want to speak to you on the concept that we've already had placed before us. Memorial Day is a unique holiday. It is one that touches all of our hearts because it gives us a reminder of those who have served and have given their lives for the freedoms of our country. Every generation in our American history can look around them and see those who have served and those and remember those who have given their lives for the freedoms of our country. Our nation is dotted with many memorials, even some in our own community. And I trust that you will be diligent, especially as parents or grandparents, to take your children to visit those memorials, to rehearse before them what a memorial should do, remind us of the sacrifice of those who came. So if not this weekend, and maybe the weather's not so conducive, find an opportunity and make a plan to go see some of those great memorials that are easily within our drive, and uh, you will be encouraged, and it will help you understand and help your children and grandchildren to understand more of those realities. Memorial Day is a special day. What's been brought before us today already, in what's been presented, and in what's been sung, the idea of a soldier. And I want to glean a passage from... 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn with me there. We'll have the words up on the screen for just four verses today. And we're going to use those four verses to paint an image before us that the Scripture, through the words of the Apostle Paul, will call us to in regards to the idea of a good soldier. For our church, of course, a very complimentary event to this is Veterans Day. Uh, in November, we always enjoy taking the time there to recognize those veterans and family of veterans. But I'm sure many of us, probably the majority of us here today, could raise our hands and say, yes, uh, if I've not been in the military, a close member of my family has. So we realize the, the far-reaching impact of the military. Today, I want to turn our attention to just a small portion of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young Timothy who was already in the ministry and serving. He had many things to learn as he went. The Apostle Paul, as his mentor, writes to him to encourage him. The Apostle Paul himself had been through many battles. His body had, would no doubt show evidence of that, if you know much of his story. His words here ring true of some of the important thoughts he wanted to share with his younger minister, Timothy. Here in the second letter, 
verse 1, he writes this. Thou therefore, my son, speaking of course to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, what had he heard? The truth, the gospel. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Do you see the generational ladder that's there? Paul has taught Timothy, who is to teach some faithful men who are to teach others also. That model continues today. Every generation has had a responsibility to teach the next generation the faithful and true words of the Scripture. The gospel message might ring loud and pure in the hearts and the ears of all who hear. He would say then in verse 3, Thou, therefore, endure hardness. And he could have used a lot of images here, but he says that's a good soldier. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. What an image is painted before us. I want to elaborate on that image today. We'll conclude with verse 4. No man, no man that's engaged in the, in the war, no man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he, that soldier, may please him, the commander, who has chosen him to be a soldier. Today I want to draw from these four verses very quickly the importance of understanding what it means to be a good soldier. A soldier of the cross, a soldier for the gospel, Allow me to read these same verses from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible takes words and, and ideas and expands them. So we get a little clearer meaning. I like the way the Amplified handles these verses. So you, my son, in verse 1, be strong, strengthened inwardly in the grace and the spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. And the instructions which you have heard from me along with many witnesses transmit and entrust those as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others also. Take along with me your share of the hardships and the suffering which you have been called to endure as a good first-class soldier of Christ Jesus. For no soldier, when in service, gets entangled with the enterprises of a civilian life his aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. The ideas found in these verses are indeed ones that call us to attention, if you will, to recognize many things important in our Christian life and to the calling that we too have as soldiers of the cross. Today I will look at one from each of these four verses. regarding being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, the military imagery is one that's found frequently in the scriptures. We can go back and look at the military examples of the Old Testament through Joshua, and through David, his armies, through the conquest of the promised land. We open the pages of the New Testament to find the image again appears. Paul writes about it here to Timothy. He will use it of himself. He will encourage Timothy through this imagery. 
He will use it in other letters. The book of Ephesians, I'll make mention of here in a moment, does similar things. The military imagery is one that really encapsulates so much of what we see about the reality of what it is to be a faithful follower of Christ. The military that we see around us, that we understand, if you've had the opportunity to visit military bases, and some of you have lived on those bases, the imagery is one that reminds us of the calling, reminds us of the commitment, and it reminds us that there is a country, a land, where individuals are committing themselves for the protection and defense of. The military is indeed a multi-generational event. It rings true that in every generation there are those who are called to the duty of service. And we must never forget those individuals who serve and who faithfully commit their duties and who stand on guard for the nation that we love and for the freedoms that we share and for the future that we anticipate to enjoy. I stand today as a son of a World War II soldier and the father of a soldier who stood here just a few moments ago. And I've seen the impact. I grew up, as many of you did, no doubt, hearing World War II stories and what it was like to live through that generational time and what the impact had not only on families but on communities and indeed on a nation. Indeed, we must never forget those who have given their ultimate sacrifice. It's a vivid memory of me, I'm sure for Kelly also, as we stood in Charlotte at the enlistment center and watched, watched our son take that oath of allegiance to the Army. He stood at attention the first time. And he was asked to receipt the oath of the United States Army. Some of you know this, but let's all hear it again. This Army oath says, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations of the, United, of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. That simple statement, that multitude of words, changes a person's life. A recruit is now no longer committed to the civilian life. Their commitment now is to the army life, to the military life. For Houston, it meant basic training in Georgia, specialist training in Missouri, Infantry training in Virginia, weapons, weapons and desert training in Texas and in California, all in preparation to go on a deployment to the Middle East, where he spent most of that time in, in the uh, balmy climate of Saudi Arabia during the summer. The Army made sure he was prepared. His training, his continued learning, the drills, the exercise, the toughness that was built into the program was all in preparation for an assignment, for a task. He did not spend days of luxury around a pool. 
excuse me, this thing wants to be a little aggravating today. His commitment was to the orders, up early, classroom time, physical training. It all had a purpose, and it was all necessary. Second Timothy in these passages reminds us that there are some things necessary for us. For us to stand and be on guard for those things that we hold dear. There in verse 1, it says, be strong. Thou therefore, my son, Paul writes, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God's grace always provides what we need. It is by grace that we are saved, delivered from a life of sin. It is by grace that we are sustained. It is by grace that we are strengthened. Life presents to us many challenges. We are too weak for those challenges. We don't have the physical, the mental, the spiritual strength to stand up to what life often casts at us. We must depend on grace. Paul knew this, and he wanted his, his younger minister to be affirmed and convinced of that grace. Do we know that grace? Do you know that grace that saves that Jesus Christ is your Lord? Do you know that grace that sustains through challenging times, and that grace that strengthens through midnight hours? That's a grace that cannot be explained in human terms. We can only say as that familiar hymn, it's just amazing. Amazing is God's grace. And when we need strength, when we seek to find what's beyond us to accomplish what needs to be done, we, like Timothy, need to be reminded that we will find strength in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The good soldier knows the strength of the battle must come from a source beyond ourselves. It must come from Christ Jesus our Lord. The good soldier of the cross recognizes the flesh is just too weak. We're too short-sighted. We get confused in the fray of the battle and we're not sure what to do. It is our responsibility to turn our eyes to our Savior and to ask for the strength that he will provide through the grace that is his. A good soldier is therefore capable of being strong. Second point from verse 2. These things which you have heard of me, Paul writes, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This verse calls us to be vocal. There is something to say. The Christian life is not about living in and of itself. It's also about saying. There are some things to say. The truth of God should be communicated to others. What we know, what we have learned, must be shared. And that begins in our homes. Parents, where are you in that equation? The primary obligation of parents 
is to instruct your children in the truth that is found in God's Word, to build a foundation for a life and indeed for all eternity that is built upon the truths of Scripture. To do otherwise is to present an environment that sorely lacks in what it takes to live a life of confidence and value in God. We're seeing it all around us as a generation has turned their back on God, as parents have neglected their responsibility and said, we'll live it our own way. And what's happening around us? The culture is falling apart at the seams. Lives are being destroyed and sad to say self-destroyed over lack of purpose. We have something to say that the world needs to hear, but let it be heard first in our own homes to our children and grandchildren. Let it be the truth of the gospel that rings. To do otherwise is to sorely neglect the responsibility of being a parent. Nothing worse than parents that are AWOL, absent without leave. We'll take care of all the other duties, but God is not on their priority list. Church is not on the priority list. We'll chase down all the other things life has to offer. This culture right now is targeting children. It is noticeable. It is obvious. And so parents and grandparents, we must be on guard. We must be good soldiers to stand and defend our children. None of our children, none of our grandchildren are exempt from this attack. We are our children and our grandchildren's primary protector. This is no time for Christian voices to go silent. This is no time for Christian values to be swept under the rug and for Christians to stand on the sideline. Christian voices of conviction must be heard. First in the home, for sure, but also in the community and in the church. And in the workplace, even in social media, y'all have heard of social media, right? There needs to be a Christian voice there for sure. We need to teach our children to express, express our biblical convictions and to pursue the wisdom of God's path for life. We need to be vocal. We need to speak out, and we need to make sure the truth is readily heard in the ears of those with whom we converse. To do otherwise is to neglect our duty as a soldier, is to put the responsibility off on somebody else. Well, we'll take our kids to church four times a year. What more do you want? I'm sorry. It's not enough. Okay, we'll take our children to church once a month. How about that? It's not enough. Okay, you've convinced me once a week. You're still missing the point. It's got to be a consistent, it's got to be a message proclaimed, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 will say, throughout the day when you rise in the morning and when you walk by the wayside and when you recline in the evening. It should be the continual echo of God's truth. The church comes along to partner with the home, not to replace the home. The responsibilities of parents is to see that necessity to accomplish those goals. Be strong, be vocal, a good soldier. 
Verse 3 reminds us to be ready. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To endure hardness. That phrase in the King James could be translated share in the suffering. Take your share of the hardships and the sufferings, the scripture says to us. You are called to endure them. It's just a natural part of the process. I would submit without knowing all the details that there's not a veteran here or military personnel here who can't say there were some hard times. I felt bad. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was sleep deprived. But we had to march. We had to move. We had to conduct an operation. There wasn't time to recline. How dare I throw off my responsibility to the soldier beside me and say, you guys take care of it. I'll sit this one out. It's not an option. Be ready. A good soldier expects challenges, expects difficulties, and expects there to be obstacles, what the scripture calls here hardness. We expect those things because there is an enemy. An enemy who is powerful and purposeful. His strategies and traps can easily claim their victims and have. Let us be ready by calling on the Savior, our great commander, to help us to be ready, to be prepared. Ready because we know God's word. It's amazing to me that the most sold book every year is the Bible. And yet biblical ignorance is still an issue the church has to deal with. Our supply of Bibles is not the issue. It is our understanding of the Bible that needs to be sharpened. Those hardships will come. And keep in mind, the question during those hardships is not why did this hardship happen? The question is, what do I do now that the hardship has happened? What's my orders now? What's my attitude now? What's my perspective going to be now? We can drown ourselves in asking all the why questions very easily, can't we? But that's the wrong question. What do we do now? How does my strategy change? Hardship should always drive us to bow before Christ. To draw upon his strength and his wisdom to get the answer that we're seeking and to get the direction of what we need to do next. It should take us to the word. Humbly ask, God, show me and teach me. Be ready. Be engaged with God's word. Be engaged with the church. Find yourself capable as a good soldier to be ready. And lastly, in verse 4, be aware. No man that warreth, the verse says in verse 4, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You know what that's about? It's about priority. Be aware that life is going to be best lived when the priorities are in place. We all struggle with this at times. We're trying to put all the pieces of this busy life we have into some sense of priority. A good companion passage for 2 Timothy chapter 2 is Ephesians chapter 6. Let me give you part of that passage. You can read it later. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We must be aware that we are in a spiritual battle. A lot of discussion in our nation today about mental health. That discussion may have its proper place, but we've totally ignored the discussion about spiritual health. And that's where much of the complication lies. But no one wants to face that issue. As Christians, we cannot be silent. There is a spiritual war that is raging around us. And we only have two choices. We either fight or we surrender. As good soldiers, let us be aware of what's happening around us so we can engage the battle. So we can use the word of God as our sword so that we can defend the truths that are eternal and the truths that have built the blessed nation that we have been part of. I want to offer three particular battle lines. This could go a long way, and I'll try to be quick with it. I want to offer three particular battle lines. Because the term is so familiar with us now, I want to call them the pandemics of our culture. You know, a few years ago, explain the pandemic. Well, no, we don't explain that one anymore. The pandemics of our culture, the first one, the pandemic of postmodernism. Don't let that term scare you. We see it everywhere. Postmodernism is evidenced in a skepticism of truth. Postmodernism clings to subjectivism of ethics. Well, it might be right for you, but it's not right for me. It dwells upon relativism of values. It just makes truth this squishy jello kind of thing. And you make of it whatever you want to, postmodernism says. In postmodernism, God is always under suspicion. And life is always undervalued. We don't know what to do. We'll just kill it. Postmodernism values experimentation. Let's try it. It values emotions. Oh, I hope it makes me feel good. It values experiences. But it doesn't value eternity. Everyone gets to live by the rules of their own making, and then they stand up and say, who are you to tell me it's wrong? That's postmodernism. Second pandemic, a pandemic of perversion. I need not show you any evidence. I only need to point you to a news show, to a cultural insights website. Perversion evidenced in the confusion of gender identity, a rush towards selfish indulgence, and a wasteland of fleshly lust. All you need to do is see that news broadcast. Look at that website that will tell you what's happening in the world around us. Perversion has now come to the marketplace, it's in the stores. 
It's come to the public and the school libraries. It is paraded in the streets and pinned to the school bulletin boards. Perversion and abominations is the terms the scripture would use. Wickedness and evil that abounds in our culture today. A third pandemic, a pandemic of political ideology. Politics is all around us. While we understand the potential of politics, we must never surrender to politics that makes government a god. The pandemic, this pandemic makes the government responsible to provide all things to all people, to grant all rights and to educate all citizens. It's the government's job is many times the answer people come up with when how do we fix this? This makes the population, us, dependent on the government from the womb to the tomb. That is, if you survive the womb. Especially pronounced today are the political ideologies of Marxism and socialism. You've got too much. You need to give me some of it, is the mindset of Marxism. Social, uh, socialism just simply says, let's let the government figure out who should get what. We'll let them run everything. You know, that's always proven real beneficial, hasn't it? All of these and others are braided together today in the world under one overarching word, wokeness. The blend, this blend is a venomous poison for the soul of individuals and for the soul of a country. While we will engage politically and rightly endorse candidates and address issues from a biblical worldview, we must never view politics as an element of redemption. I am not looking for the Savior to step off of Air Force One. We should be aware of these issues. Let us be inoculated with the truth of God's word. There's where the foundation is going to allow us to stand. May temporal distractions not pull us away, but rather truthful distinctions guide our steps. I mentioned Paul's other imagery of military comparison. Ephesians 5.15 says this way, See then that you walk, and I love this word, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly means to walk looking around carefully. Circum, around, like circumstance, or circumference in a circle. Speckly, to see with detail. May we never be the proverbial ostrich with our head in the sand. Ephesians chapter 6 would go on to say, the Apostle Paul writes there, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have the capacity to obtain that spiritual backbone to stand up against a culture that is so anti-God and anti-family and anti-morals and ethics of biblical values, we can do it. Put on the whole armor of God, it says, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take therefore the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What the scripture calls us to is to do everything we can to stand. The question some need to address is have you done anything to stand? The culture wars, sad to say, are claiming victims. Victims that aren't just names in other places. They're family members. They're loved ones. We need to be strong to stand up against the movement of the culture that is attacking our children. Paul had previously said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And as Paul even concludes his life, he would write, I have fought a good fight. May it be said of us that we have fought a good fight. Many of you here, no doubt, have come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me do what Paul reminds us of here, to encourage you, as he encouraged Timothy, be a good soldier. Endure those challenging times. Stand, don't fall to the wave of the cultural flood, but engage the fight. Enlist in the church and the work it's doing. Endeavor to march into the battle. It's time that we commit ourselves to a greater cause than just our own comfort, than just our own ease, than just our own entertainment. We need to enlist in a greater cause, a cause of eternal truth. It's time we commit to the one who gave us life, the one who provides our eternal freedom, our spiritual family, and our eternal future. I can only say, as these four verses do, be strong, be vocal, be ready, and be aware. It is time for us, too, to proclaim an oath. A commitment expressed from the depths of our heart that engages us in the spiritual war that rages around us. As soldiers of the cross, good soldiers we strive to be, it is time to proclaim an oath. I submit to you the following for your consideration. The oath of a good soldier of the cross. I do solemnly swear that I will bear true faith and allegiance to support and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Against all principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I realize this is spiritual warfare and that it is my duty to obey the truths found in the Bible, for this is my sword. With my strength in Christ, I will be driven by biblical convictions as the Holy Spirit leads. I will strive to be a standard bearer for righteousness. I will, to my dying breath, defend my faith, my family, and my freedoms as I endeavor to to be faithful and to pass the torch of truth to the next generation. So help me God. Indeed, it is time for us to make an oath that from this point forward, we will move to the drumbeat of God's commands and not submit ourselves to the folly of the world. I'd like to ask you to stand, if you will, please, as I close this portion of the service today. 
I can only submit the words of the Apostle Paul from this passage. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and endure hardness as a good soldier. Be strong, be vocal, be ready, be aware. For the battle rages. Bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment. Remember this tune? We sang it earlier. Onward, Christian soldiers. Will you do what only you can do? If your life is undone and without Christ, you've never been born again or known the joy of eternal salvation through Christ, then your prayer is a prayer of confession. Your need is salvation. Will you come before the Lord to confess your sin, repent, and receive the gift of eternal life that can be found only in Jesus Christ? Your prayer before a holy and righteous God is of confession and acceptance of Christ as your personal Savior. That's the prayer you need to make today. But for many today who have made that commitment in prayer, and you know what joy in the new life of Christ is, then let me allow the scripture, as we've looked at today, to call us to a commitment to the Savior. Maybe as never before, as a soldier this time, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, a standard bearer of righteousness, committed to pass the torch of truth to the next generation. Our prayer is simple. Lord, help me to be a good soldier, to be grounded in truth, and to be ready for battle. Word it as you will in your own way, but that's the expression that needs to be given before the Lord today. May it come from the depths of our hearts. Father, thank you today for an opportunity to open your word, to be reminded of a good soldier. We're thankful, as we should be, for those who have served and particularly for those who have died for our nation. We are a blessed nation. Help us as we find ourselves as a nation in turmoil and confusion. Help us to see clearly through the fog of war to you, our commander-in-chief, as we serve you in this army as a Christian soldier. May it be for your glory, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I will turn to the service and remainder of it.